We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, everybody, to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, Jeff Erickson here with a very musical 30 second intro there with uh, Fred Zinke. Hit the wrong musical video clip there to start, but it, it can work for us here. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, we are talking a lot of baseball, and it's, it could be the injury cast if we wanted it to. I mean, there's certainly enough of them there, and we will talk about injuries a lot in this one there. Fred, how you doing? I'm great. I think every week could be the injury cast this year, which is its own own situation we can delve into in the offseason. But I think every week could be the injury cast this year. Yeah, it, it really could. And it seems like it really is. And, uh, you know, it, but it just feels worse right now, this week. I mean, just today alone, since we started, since I started doing the golf podcast about an hour and a half ago, we had news on Christian Yelich coming off the aisle. Let's start with the good news there. Uh, if you have Christian Yelich, you, you got a chance to start him, you absolutely put him in, right? Even though he only played one game last time. Yep. I think, I think you have to. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I, some people are going to be locked. Like they're going to have used all their outfield spots yesterday, but if you can put him in, I think you have to. And anyone you're putting him in for didn't play Monday. So yeah, I think so. All right. So yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that, that was good news. We started with some good news. Okay. Slew of bad. Uh, because it, it's all about me too. Because I got Tyler mm-hmm. O'Neill in both of my main events, and he broke a finger on Sunday. At least he had the decency a to get hurt on a Sunday, and not and, and before. <laughs> although although it was after the free agent deadline, but he went out on a shield. He stole a base doing it too. I mean, you know, he did something for us. We had time. We Perfect. have time to replace him this week. In most cases, there are some leagues where he had to, everything locks on Monday. But like you play in it, and he, most formats now allow you to do start of the first game. Cardinals didn't play it yesterday. A lot of teams that didn't play, you can swap them out. You might have even swapped them out anyhow because they only have two games in the first four days with a five-game week. Yeah, I think I think I I have him in the labor league. I did not put him in the lineup uh, partially because I wasn't going to use him anyways because of the short weeks for them, uh, light schedule. So, but yeah, there's another one. For some people probably had him in the lineup, and then there's more on top of that. Nick Senzel from your Reds Ugh. out of the lineup. Um, JT Real Muto still out of the lineup, and yeah. and Didi Gregorius. This is a big one. That I think that's a big one because he was like like he didn't play at all against the Blue Jays on the weekend, but he was supposed right. to be trending to be back in the lineup. And now, so I think some people were probably counting on him for this week. 
And so you were, as a Blue Jays fan, were already aware of this and just the, the weird roster management that the Phillies had this weekend. DD was day-to-day, right? And so was JT Real Muto. And so between the two, you know, that's, you know, you know that, that was already like two spots short. Plus you're on the road in the AL team, so you're starting a DH. They basically had one man on their bench. Scott Kingery got hurt in the game. Bryce Harper had to play despite a sore shoulder. Came in and bunted again, uh, and then struck out to end the game on Sunday. Really ugly look for the Phillies in terms of their roster management. Absolutely, and Harper. I mean, it was scary because Harper was up with uh, you know as the winning run uh, with two outs in the ninth inning at the plate. And uh, I mean, sure, he's not a hundred percent, but he's still Bryce Harper. It was still pretty scary. So, uh, but he did strike out. I, it was a tough spot for him to be in. I mean, he's Bryce Harper. He gets paid a lot of money. He's a superstar. I'm sure he can wear it from one regular season game in the middle of May, where he struck out, you know, with the tying run on, on first or second base or whatever it was. But yeah, it was a it was a, a crummy situation all around and the series didn't go well for them so anyways they now they moved to Gregorius on the IL um I mean that just puts him out for this week but some people were probably counting on it for this week because they did say they thought he would only be out a couple days yeah that's right and uh, you know it's, it's it's super annoying I know I've got a, a case there where I had you know Didi was like borderline also for a start this week you know I, I when a guy misses Sunday I just just I think you're better off almost unless it's like just a rest day. You're almost just better off assuming he's not going to be available to play. We're just talking, you know, what we should do to prepare on Mondays because we've had so much bad Monday news lately. I, I, I just I think you have to operate on having that assumption that you're going to need to replace him. Uh, I think that works better if you have some redundancy. Now, of course, that makes it forces you to make some tough cuts. Sometimes it's not like you have unlimited roster spots, especially for day to day guys. Yep, that's right. But I think, yeah, for day-to-day guys, for sure. I th- I, but I think, yeah, going into a Monday now, you almost have to expect that, that, like, I think you have to know when you go to bed Sunday night, like when your fab process is Sunday night, you have to know there's, I don't know what the odds would be, but maybe a 20% chance, which is significant, or 25, that you'll need to replace a player on Monday who you don't totally see coming right now. And you don't know the position. You don't know if it'll be a pitcher, but you probably need a pitcher on your bench who you could throw in in a pinch on Monday before first pitch. And you probably need a hitter on your bench where there's some flexibility that, that you could get him in, um, you know, on Monday or even on Tuesday, I'm still watching some lineups today from teams that didn't play yesterday. Yeah. Like you said, with the Yelich news. And, um, you know, I was just watching a couple lineups just to see some last hitter spots and make sure some guys were in the lineup for Monday, you know, for NFBC Monday, Thursday situations where if a guy didn't play Monday, his team didn't play. If he's not in the lineup Tuesday, now I'm getting two games max. So maybe I just want to get him out. Um, I think you, ha- I think you have to prioritize that. I, I don't think we can go into a Monday saying like, unless you're really, really stuck with injuries where you're just like, Oh, I'm just going to chance it. Like I've got, I've got 14 hitters healthy for 14 hitter spots. And if one of these guys goes down, then I'm going to have to take a zero. Like you don't want to be in that situation if you can avoid it. And like you said, you may have to make some tough cuts. Yeah. Uh, you, you very well might. And you know, it, it, the thing is you, you can't do it after the fact either. Uh, you know, fab runs on Sunday. Uh, and that, that's always been kind of one of the downfalls I've always thought to, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why Peter Shanky's always pushing for the Thursday night fabbing. But I, well, it's the same issue, though. You, you fab yeah. before a season, a series starts, right? And, you know, once you do that, then it's, you know, and all of a sudden teams have traveled and, oh, there's news now. And that happens all the time on Monday. You get the bad yeah. Monday news. And we had it left and right this week. And it's really aggravating. So, uh, you know, look at looking at that. Let's, you know, I know I, I had a couple of those situations happen this week. Uh, the Danny Duffy one was a perfect example of that. Really brutal. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like we didn't see that one coming at all with, with, with your fab comment. I think it's just not a fixable situation. Like, like you could push mm-hmm. fab to Monday, but it'd have to be at like noon and it's crummy for people who are working to deal with real that job. and, and yeah. send their lineups yeah, exactly. So I, I think, and, and but I think it wouldn't even save you from anything. You're not getting these news drops Monday morning. Well, maybe on the West Coast, but you're not getting these news drops Monday, you know, on the East Coast in the morning. You're getting them basically in a stretch from about one in the afternoon on the East Coast through till first pitch, but more like one till five. And then by then pretty much everything's set. So like, it's almost like that about four hour stretch, one to five Eastern 
you just cringe. Like you just don't want to hear any news on any of your players because no news is good news. But um, that's, that's when the news drop is. And yeah, the Danny Duffy one, it comes out of nowhere. He's a tough decision now. I think you have to keep him yeah. until at least until you get a timetable because he's been pitching really well. I think he's he's earned the right for someone who started the year on waivers in probably a lot of our leagues. He's earned the right, I think, to get held if he's going to be out two, maybe three scoring periods. Yeah, but and, and I haven't seen an update yet on the the duration for Duffy. Uh, so that's something to watch nope. for there a little bit. But yeah, that, that's a real problem. Um, and we'll have to you know really have to manage that pretty closely now. I'll say this too, uh, you know, it's not just that. It's guys coming off, co- coming on or coming off COVID. A lot of times that happens just before game time, it seems like. The Padres, they activated Jerks and Profar last night, you know, and they played a seven. They played locally, seven, 7.05, maybe 7.35 even, uh, West Coast. So it might have been too late for you to get them active in your lineup this week, uh, especially if you're an East Coaster, maybe not, you know, or if you're, you know, let's just call him Chris Liss and you're living in Portugal and it's too late to activate him for the week there. You know, so be it. I mean, that, that's your choice to live there, but screw you. But no, uh, it, it's just, it's, it, it, it's very difficult this year. And you're right. I think it is an unfixable problem. Um, it, you know, there's, it's just like the same time, you know, when we, during draft season, you, you see a late breaking news item and people say, well, that's why you always draft late. Well, yeah, yeah except there's always stuff after. And you don't get those discounts late that you got early too. So it goes both ways. Absolutely. And it's, you know, some people will say, well, the solution is to just have daily lineups. And that's fine if you like daily lineups. I can't have a bunch of teams with daily lineups and still, you know, remain in my marriage and parent my kids and go do my job and all these things. Like, I just can't, I can't do that and and do it well, like do it really well where you're checking lineups on a daily basis at, you know, an hour before first pitch. Like I can't be on my phone from six to seven tonight, just constantly checking lineups and, and, and and every night you'd have to do it every night. Um, but I think the one thing with the weekly leagues or the, or the semi-weekly, like with the hitter replacement, the NFBC to some degree, the, these annoyances all come out roughly even like they all come out in the wash this week. I was dealing with it with Jose Abreu because I happen to have him on multiple teams, you know, um, next week's guy, I, I didn't have to deal with it with Didi Gregorius. I don't have him on any of those teams. You know, next week's guy I may not have. The week after the guy who goes out, I may have. Like, it probably all comes out in the wash. We probably all just deal with it mostly evenly over the course of the season. I didn't have a lot of Duffy, so that one didn't affect me. I had more Husker, you know, uh, so that one affected me a little more. I think we just... It just is what it is, but you do have to think ahead and plan your bench so that when it, when it when your turn is up, it's and you get burned, you know you have to be ready to adjust and get someone in your lineup. So you just have to be always ready. But I, I think for the most part, we probably all deal with it a little bit evenly over the season, as far as at least as far as these surprise Monday IL stints. Yeah, I forgot about mentioning. You know, I only have I had him in friends and family. Uh, that was unfortunate. Uh, he fought the wall, and the wall won, uh, as it always does. But I, I don't know. Uh, I you know, I think he's a cut. You know, he's out two months plus. I think I, he's a cut. Yeah, I think so too. I. I, I'm going to debate it. I have him in tout NL, so obviously I'll hold him there. Uh, so, so you figure a couple months there's going to be a rehab assignment in there. We'll see. But like August first, something in the uh, beginning of August, you still get two months from him. That's a lot. In NFBC, I don't think you can keep him. I think the only way you can keep him in NFBC is if you've just had a really nice run of injury luck. You're in a you're in a nice run right now, and you just don't happen to have a lot of injuries. You could carry him. Um, I've been carrying Eliezer Hernandez in multiple NFBCs for almost the entire season now. Like he got hurt week one or so. And I mean, Noah's pitched as well as I expect Eliezer to pitch when he gets back, he should be back in still a couple more weeks. So roughly the same timetable. So I think you could keep Anoa. It's just how many, like some of them, like if you already have three red suitcases on your bench, then he's probably got to go. Yeah. And it's, what's the payoff too. You know, Joel Hennard yeah. tweets at me. He goes, how long do you hold IL, IL players like Sale and Thor or Marte? Starling Marte, you hold on till he comes back. I mean, I think that's a pretty yeah. easy one. Uh, Sale and Thor, I mean, you knew going in. I mean, you knew it was going to be all summer. Yeah. You know, and just, I don't know. You either, I mean, I think you make that decision when you draft him. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I guess circumstances may change. Otherwise, a setback could happen. I think in both cases, you just write it out, but. 
I'll tell you what, it, it sucks taking a zero in the NFBC. It really does. Yeah. And it's especially, I mean, it depends where you're in. Like if you're in a main event or an online championship, like, man, the, the zeros are really killers. If you're in just a mono league, maybe you look at where you are in the standings in certain categories. And you're like, okay, I could, I could stomach a zero for one week. But I think in the end, it's just going to depend on like, sure, maybe you drafted Thor, you drafted Sale, and you're like, I'm holding them. I'm holding them till they come back. I think they're going to be good when they come back. Well, now if you have Didi Gregorius and John Carlos Stanton, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and you've got like, then maybe you have to look, like, you have to evaluate it, evaluate it one week at a time mm-hmm. and look at who your injured players are. The problem is, is like, would you get in a situation where it's, and I had this in one NFBC league. Once you get to the point where you have like seven red suitcases on the bench, um, is it time to just, are you just going to have to cut one of them just to have some sort of live body on the bench when the week starts? Like I, I was Christian Walker made it through one of my leagues where I didn't cut him, but man, I was close. Like, I don't know how long Christian Walker is going to be out with the oblique. He's a good player, but not an elite player. Um, is it worth He's not in my lineup, but it, was it worth having no one on my bench for this week from Sunday night on to retain Christian Walker? Or do I have to just send him to waivers in order to, uh, to have someone? In the end, I had a different injury. I ended up cutting someone else and Walker just made it through. But but he'll be on the cut line again next week, especially if I still don't have a timetable for him. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, I think it's the second second injury for Walker. That probably isn't a factor there too. You start to get a little bit worried. It's like, okay, it's just the kinetic chain break broken down. You know, we hear like Jeff Stotts and Will Carroll and Stefania Bell talk about the kinetic chain all the time and how one injury begets the next. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. He is kind of borderline, and it is like that. You know, I, I've gotten – and the thing is, you know, with it seems like – and maybe there, it just feels like there's more injuries. Is it possible to build an anti-fragile roster? We talk about that in fantasy football all the time. And, you know, you see – that's why you see a lot of people do – uh, you know, s- some like weight on the running back sort of uh, draft strategies because it's anti-fragile. You load up on volume later and not that way you're not as like dependent on that. But can you do that in baseball? I don't, I don't know of us. I don't know how, if you do, if you can, I don't know how, except for don't add guys that are already currently hurt and try to wait on them. I mean, that's this Pianowski thing. If a guy's got an injury, you just don't draft them. Uh, you let them kick that can down the road because, what a bargain. Hey, you got the, and I'm, I, I hate to pick on Scott. He got to Nelson Lamette. Lamette's now a relief pitcher, although he did get a win Sunday, finally night. But would you say that he, he's gotten his money's worth so far in Lamette? I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. No, 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 definitely not. I, it's an interesting, so like there's part of me that wanted to do like a bit of a victory lap on Byron Buxton, John Carlos Stanton. Mm. Like these are some guys who I was avoiding because I felt like when I did my projections, I just couldn't justify projecting them for more than 400 450 at bats um just based on their injury history now the counter to that argument and i think it's fair this year is to be like fred everybody's hurt like like there's injuries everywhere so like you can't get on them for being hurt when everybody's hurt but the truth is not everybody is hurt those guys are hurt um i think so so i think scott's point like that you don't chase injuries as in you don't draft players who are already injured i think that makes sense do you go one step further and i and you know try to avoid players who are injured basically every year like a stanton because you know you're going to have the surprise injuries that we have and you just you know there's going to be a stanton injury i think that's worthwhile i don't know in the end i make my own projections and i build it into my projections and i think you have to build but maybe i need to build some injury likelihood into every player and then additional injury likelihood into stanton and players i think that's right um, you know, and I think anybody that does projections and tries to project playing time will naturally not have Stanton leagues unless they really kind of ignore yeah. their own projections, yeah. or at least they build in some replacement value component to those projections. Yeah. List likes to do that sometimes and, and has, I think it's harder to do in baseball than it is in like football. Well, in, in particular, anything rotisserie is replacement value of specific categories versus replacement value of value. You know, it, it, there, there's two big yeah. different concepts there. Um, and if you're in a points league, well, then it doesn't matter as much how they provide it. And so you 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 can be more willing to take chances. Now, that said, I kind of said, forget that. I'm still going to go get Aaron Judge in a couple of places. I, even though my projection has them for fewer games, I, I, I ignored that. Mm-hmm. 
More often than not, though, I do listen to it. I don't have a whole lot of Buxton almost ever. Don't have any Stanton this year or last. I think I had maybe one share last year. I don't have a whole lot of those guys. It is true. I have zero Denelson Lamette this year. Yeah, so I think I'll just wait to see where the dust settles on some of their seasons. Like Buxton was playing amazing, and there's a long way to go, and he will be back at some point. Um, I'm just going to wait and see, and then I'll try to have some takeaways, actionable takeaways for next year uh, with some of those players. I mean, you know, the building in replacement value is interesting because mm-hmm. it totally makes sense. It makes more sense in a league where you have a lot of IL spots. Um, in an NFBC type format, you can build in replacement value, but you also have to recognize that while you're getting that replacement value, you're wasting a bench spot on an injured Stanton or an injured Buxton. And maybe you could have taken that bench spot and held Tyler Rogers as a speculative save source or Michael Fulmer as a speculative save source, or, or maybe on that bench spot, you know what I mean? So there's those kinds of things that, you know, maybe you, maybe you could have grabbed a pitcher who's really turned out in the last couple of weeks, but you couldn't because you had Buxton and you had to hold them because you needed an outfielder. So you had to grab a guy just to play Michael Taylor in your outfield. And, but there was a pitcher you really liked on waivers. Now, a couple of weeks later, that pitcher's still ripping it up and you're thinking, man, I could have had him, but I didn't have bench space for him. Um, yep. but I didn't want to put him in my lineup yet. Like, so there is a, va- there is the replacement value exists, but if you, if you don't have, if you have IL spots, you can put in pure replacement value. If you don't have IL spots, you also have to take off some of that replacement value because you're losing that roster spot. Right. So it, I think the takeaway is maybe take more chances in tout wars, for instance, than you would in yep. the, 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 and more chances in tout wars and labor, more chances in labor than friends and family, more chances in friends and family than I would in, in the NFBC. I almost in that sort of spectrum. Yep. Friends and for and yep. the nuance here with labor is there you can't shuttle guys up and down, uh, at least in the AL and NL only versions, but in the mix you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then friends and family, daily moves leagues, you know, immediate pickups, it's a little bit different. And then of course NFBC, no IL spots whatsoever. And so that makes it tougher. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's 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 a good like you know. Uh, it's a, it's a spectrum there, if you will, of how to try to structure your roster. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it comes back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To know your league, right? We always talk mm-hmm. about that during draft season. Know your league, know your rules, have a strategy for your league and your rules. And it doesn't mean you don't draft these guys in NFBC. It just means you have to account for that. And maybe they go around later um, yeah. because, because you know, you, and maybe, and I mean, everybody's going to get, some people got that one that got the great Stanton year and then there'll probably be a great Buxton year. Maybe it'll be this year. Maybe he'll come back and just rake the rest of the year. But there'll probably be a year where Buxton somehow doesn't get hurt and there'll be a Buxton year. But in the process of getting that year, you can get burned on a lot of years. Yeah, that's right. I I think that's absolutely right. Uh, Before we move on, a quick note from our sponsors here. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, 
you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. It was a very quick note. That's for our uh, podcast listeners. Uh, we are back here on the live stream uh, here with uh, Fred Zinke, Jeff Erickson here. Uh, let's move on from injury Mageddon because we could just talk about that all the time. Although we haven't mentioned Trout yet. I mean, that, that's kind of a kind of a tiny detail guy there. Um, he had a quad injury. And the thing is, uh, Joe Madden was saying how they didn't even know how it happened. He just started pulling up a little bit lame towards third base. Uh, we're seeing a lot of leg injuries, muscle injuries with players this year. And, you know, it, it raises the question, how are these players training? Is it is there too much weight training? I had a, a listener on XM yesterday have a pretty good stream or, or string of text, uh, tweets uh, and made some good points that there's too much emphasis on weight training and not enough on flexibility and how you weight train, where you weight train, how quickly are you doing it? Uh, and it makes it really hard to recover once you start that process, too. Uh, so I, so it's interesting. You you pushed out, you retweeted that thread, and I read it, and I actually talked to some friends about it because I found it so interesting, and um, I agree with a lot of that. I think we're getting these baseball players who are trained to perform their absolute best, like in one game, but aren't built for the rigors of maybe 162 games because they're so overdeveloped and you know and we see these off-season videos on instagram of like look at how much this guy can squat now or look at how much this guy can lift now Mm -hmm. and these muscles are getting bigger and bigger and they can hit the ball farther um which looks great like at the beginning of the season but then just they're running to first base and they pull a hammy or a quad or a calf or 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 how many oblique injuries do we see and um and i feel like we see a lot more of them uh, than we used to. So I, I thought his t- his takeaways I thought were really interesting in that maybe these guys need to be in not not worse shape, but a little less ripped. Um, and Stanton and Judge are almost the cover boys for that, like like the poster boys for that, right? Like they they're so ripped, but they're always tweaking something. There's like they're always pulling something, and um, I don't know. I I, I think I think it's really interesting. You play fantasy hockey, Jeff, and so do I. And the first thing I noticed when I really got into playing fantasy hockey is that hockey players miss so few games compared to baseball players. And I don't think the only reason is that they're tougher. Um, I think part of the reason is is that they're not like they train in a different way and they they can they sprint like they they take off after loose pucks and then glide and take off and glide they don't get the pull the muscle pulls they don't and i think it's cuz they train in a different way and it's more mm-hmm. functional and it's they're less of beasts in the weight room and if you look at hockey injuries they're like you you get a good fantasy you get patrick kane or something he plays almost every game and when they right. get hurt it's it's like it's it's understandable you're like oh he blocked a shot and it broke a bone oh he he like he got body checked and separated his shoulder like it's not like hey i don't know what happened there he's just running and all of a sudden he's hurt that's what it feels like with some of these guys like mike trout it's like they're just running and all of a sudden something pops and i i know we're off on a tangent there but but i thought the tweet you, you the thread you put out for people who haven't seen it go back and look in jeff's timeline around lunchtime yesterday it's i think it's really interesting yeah, uh, and uh, it was, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Jeff underscore Erickson. That the string of tweets came from Eric Lee, and I'm going to see if I can find his, uh, you know, his Twitter handle here. 
see if I can find the retweet. I just, I had a lot of notifications lately, so it may take a little while here, but uh, at any rate, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a really, really good, uh, good, uh, good string of tweets. And I thought there's some interesting stuff that came from it there. Uh, while I'm looking for that, Fred, can, are you buying into Casey Mize? Did he turn a corner or is it just uh, shutting down a weaker Seattle offense? I think a little bit of the, I think, I think a little bit of the latter. Um, I'm concerned a bit about his strikeout to walk rate uh, because it hasn't been great. It was good yesterday, but it hasn't been great overall. Um, so I'm not buying full in yet. I, I listened to you and Scott talk about Casey Mize um, on Sunday night. And I think you guys made some good points. I do think with Casey Mize, he deserves some benefit of the doubt just for his age and prospect pedigree. And that maybe the strikeout to walk rates, not there that we're looking for totally yet, but a guy who's that talented and, you know, like, like a guy who's that talented is having some success in the majors. Maybe it's time to believe in him. I, mm -hmm. I kind of think of Lucas Giolito when he kind of turned the corner and started having success and it was like, okay, we better believe in this guy because he's starting to so show some good things now. And like, he was such a great prospect. Like I think my, you know, maybe the strikeout to walk rate will improve just on his pure talent. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, it, it's definitely falls under that. Although, although you don't want to, reference this guy's name too uh too positively because of the injury but dustin may didn't get the strikeouts last year they were they were coming this year mm -hmm. the pure yes. stuff is there yes. uh it's just and that you've seen it on other pitchers before too you you get the the pure stuff and you just you you go for the rest of the way the command usually comes with it. the secondary pitches come with it how to set up hitters comes with it it just takes time yeah i'll give you a great example of so i've been burned the last week or so by jay happ uh, he was terrible oh. last night. He was terrible his previous start. What's interesting about him is he had about five starts at the beginning of the year where he was great, but he wasn't great. The strikeout to walk rate wasn't great, but the, the earned runs and the like the ERA and the whip were great. Um, he's an older player. Thinking that he can just consistently outperform his peripherals was probably a bad idea. Now, I'm interested to see in his next start if this is just that the White Sox have something on him because it's been two starts in a row against the same team. Um, we'll see how he does against the Indians on the weekend. But I feel silly a little bit with him because the strikeout to walk rate wasn't there. The peripheral numbers weren't there. It seemed like he was outperforming what he, you know, over overachieving. And it was going to come back and bite him. And it did. And I got burned by it. And in a couple of leagues, um, with Casey Mize, he's so young and so talented that if he's overperforming his peripherals, maybe as that catches up with him, the talent will continue to take over. Yeah, I I actually benched Hap because of his last outing against the White Sox. Even though we got the news before the game that Jose Abreu wasn't playing. In fact, he's not playing the whole series. At at yeah. earliest, he'll play Friday. By the way, weekly leagues. Did you you don't have any Abreu, so you don't have to make this decision. But would you have? Oh, I had some Abreu. Oh, you do have some. Okay. Would you? Have, oh no, uh, you're right. It's all NFBC. Yeah, so mm -hmm. you're right. I'm all NFBC. I uh, I would have probably looked to get him out of my lineup. Yeah, me too. What about and you? I, yeah, I did, but I didn't really have a choice. I I had one. I have one league where I, I you know I could I couldn't make the move until Friday, and the other was NFBC where I did bench him. Um, and yeah, it yeah. stinks. Yeah, it's it's three games. Like now in a weekly, all you're gonna get from is three games. So you're holding them for those three games, and we all know, like we were just talking about this at the beginning of this episode. All it takes is one little setback, and they're like, you know what? We the news comes out Friday afternoon. You know what? We decided we're just gonna IL him. He's not ready for this weekend, so now we'll just give him the whole week off, and he'll be back the middle of next week. So if I could, if in a full weekly with no Friday replacements, I think I would have tried everything I could to get him out of my lineup. Yeah. One other note from that game, your mean Mercedes homered off of uh, Williams Astadio on a 47 mile an hour changeup and uh, on a 3-0 pitch. And Roy Smalley, uh, the Twins announcer, former twin, went off. It's like, I don't like it one bit. This is not the game supposed to be played. You know what? Ah, I, okay, I, I know I, I'm not exactly taking a brave stance. In fact, on Twitter, everyone kind of bit back at this guy. It was pretty funny. Uh, that, that, was, that was in arbitration for Mercedes. That was... You know, it's worth like forty-five to fifty thousand dollars, is what Alex Chamberlain is just tweeting. Uh, and you know, it's just that—that that, you know—that's not. That means a lot for a guy that doesn't even have a full year of service. You know what? If you don't like it, just raise the white flag and surrender. If you don't like it so much, but then again, it's the announcer, not the manager. But, anyways, I just, it's just so annoying to see that these days. Don't get yeah. Don't get mad at Mercedes for hitting the home run. Get mad at the manager for putting a position player into pitch, and that we're in a major league sport watching 
Astadio throw 47. Like this is the pinnacle of baseball and we're watching this. So baseball needs to figure this out. We're seeing more position players pitching. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a, a something that they need an extra roster spot for pitchers or something, but this can't be the goal. It, it's quirky. I felt like this a few years ago was quirky because you'd see it like once a month, right. a position player pitch. But now I feel like we're seeing it every week easily, easily. And it, the quirkiness is gone. And you no, know, you're I, I guess two, three times a week with the bad teams too. I mean, yeah, we've seen Astadio pitch like three. I, I want to say at least two or three times this year yeah. now. Uh, oh, it's yeah. funny. He throws a super slow ball. Oh, ho, ho, how cute. Yeah. You know, you know, and I get okay. It's it's cute if he does it once. Once he's coming in every two weeks and doing it, then it's it's no longer cute. And and I get that it's just a meaningless home run in a meaningless game, and no no sport gets more obsessed with its stats than baseball. In the end, it doesn't really Mm -hmm. matter what what matters is the White Sox and the Twins win loss records and making the playoffs. But um, but it's not good. It's 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 not it's not good for the sport. We don't see it in any other sport. You don't you don't see these guys just you know, come in and do like, you don't see a hockey player become the goalie in the third period. Cause they're getting blown out. You don't see basketball teams pull these guys out of basically the crowd. Like you don't see this in other sports. So I don't know if there's great comparables. You don't see a football team be like, Hey, our starting running backs hurt. Our second running backs hurt. You know, we're just going to put in this defensive lineman at running back for the rest of the game. The, the game is now a joke. Um, you know, they, they scrap, they scrape together. They have depth charts. They scrape this together. I feel like baseball teams should be using the real pitchers and if you got to send a guy down tonight, you got to send a guy down tonight and call someone yeah. else up. They've all got farm teams and plenty of them. They're carrying 13, 14 pitchers. Uh, I get that the Twins have yeah. no off days. In fact, they have eight games this week, but they're carrying so many pitchers. Now, some of this is also reliever usage. How many times do you see a reliever go only one, yeah. can only throw one inning and then he's spent? You know, it's, it, it stinks. Mm-hmm. It really stinks. It does. And maybe they maybe there needs to be a rule where they can wave the white flag. I don't know. Maybe they need to say, hey. That's what baseball wants, though. I hate that, though. You know, because comebacks happen, though. Look at – what was it? uh, But you waved it, you know. Yeah, tip the king like in chess. Liz always talks about that uh, as as an option for football coaches. Yeah. I mean, if you're a manager, you can go into your – you got to go into your locker room after the game and be like, hey, guys, we were down 9-0. I – I didn't believe you guys could come back. I, and it's a, it's a sport with no time limit. You're basically mm-hmm. looking at them and saying, I, I gave up guys, go, go, go have a steak dinner, go have a beer. I gave up. I mean, I mean, football teams do some measure of it. Like we do get games that are out of hand and you can tell the teams are just killing the clock. Both teams, you know, are just do, you know, doing whatever to get this thing over as fast as we possibly can. So like they basically, but they, you're right. They do. They can't just yell out to the referee. Like we're done. I know there's seven minutes left in the fourth, but it's 44 to 10. We're out. We're done. We're done. Call the game. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's a great solution either, but no, I, I, don't I definitely don't care if, if, but if a guy tees off and homers off of, off a position player, good for him. You know, you got to this point in the game where you could tee off in a position player. Good for you. I remember the Patriots day game. Tony LaRusso let Giolito stay in for that second inning, which was unconscionable. Yep. Yet then in the seventh yeah. inning, he's turning to position players pitching. And, you know, after the White Sox had scored yeah. some runs to get it within five or six, you're like, dude, what are you even doing here? Uh, I don't know. It's just it, that, no, that rubbed I know. me the wrong the, way. The, my best one. Yeah, no, my best one in that game was Tim Anderson, I believe, stole a base in the half inning before they yeah, turned it over right. to position players pitching. So it's like pick a lane here, Tony. Like, are you stealing bases and trying to come back in this thing? Or are you, you know, or are you are you warming up a position player to pitch? Like, let's let's pick one or the other. Exactly. Exactly right. A lot of lot of TLR gripes on Twitter all the time. Most of them by me. So we'll see. Yes. Uh, Want to note, uh, by the way, that this is done. This podcast has been sponsored by uh, WinBet. I didn't mention it at the beginning of the episode. We do thank them for that. Well, we'll have some actual info on how you can go and bet at WinBet so- shortly. But uh, until then, just want to know that if you do sports betting, um, please check out WinBet if it, where it is available for you. Uh, we thank them for their sponsorship. Also, quick note from Vivid Seats. The world is coming back and the NFL season is upon us. I don't know about you, but I'm pumped for the recently released regular season schedule. If you're like me and you're going to see live action, uh, then head on over to Vivid Seats, the ultimate go-to source for live events. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and comedy show, Vivid Seats makes it easy for you to discover your favorite event, find your seat, gain entry, and make new memories. Just download the app. Choose your city and get access to the largest selection of tickets 
on the games and performances you love, including the NFL, MLB, NBA, and more. For a limited time, Vivid Seats is giving our listeners 10% off your ticket, up to $30 max. Just use promo code ROTOWIRE when you check out. Every purchase is backed by its 100% buyer guarantee, and you'll even earn cash back with the Vivid Seats Rewards Program. Vivid Seats, getting you into the game. All right, uh, Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke, and we are talking all things baseball right now. Uh, let's talk a little about the concept of getting gombered. I, I didn't. You mentioned how you were, felt bad about Jay Happ. Well, I felt bad about John Lester. Tim and I got him for a buck as like our last conditional bid in the NFPC main event. It's a and it was okay. It's a comeback game. Little jokes about reward uh, revenge games, mostly made by me. Uh, it was a revenge against John Lester, a revenge for it. Turns out it was revenge against. Gave up like three homers early on. The late late homer at the end was a nice little uh, soiling of the uh, pot there. It was fun for us there. But did that qualify as a gombering? You say no. So I think – so this got me thinking that – so my J-Hap doesn't count as a gomber because I already had him rostered. So mm-hmm. I wanted to put – I think we should put – criteria to being gombered so first first thing with being gombered is i think it has to be that you added the pitcher specifically on sunday for the two-start week do you agree with that i'd agree with that yeah anyone anyone who you already had on your roster even if it's a lower end guy who you were debating i think you have to have picked them up for the two-start week the second one i wanted to put in was i think we need to set like an era and a whip bar to count mm-hmm. as being gombered. I don't know what the bar should be. I think the ERA has to be at least over nine. And I, but I think maybe it might have to even be like 12. I think it's gotta be, I think there's gotta be more. The ERA has gotta be over nine. What do you think the ERA has to be to count as being gombered? Uh, at least as many runs as innings pitched. I'd say that's right. Um, that's what, well, uh, and so I, think, I feel like it's gotta be more. Yeah. I, I, well, I think, so I think, Usually it's short enough of an outing that it's going to qualify as more, but yeah. I think the shorter the outing, the more it has to be though too, because if you have a, if you have like six innings then usually you're at least getting five or six strikeouts, it, it, you know, the, it, it, the, the math is a little bit easier yep. on you. It doesn't, it doesn't have the impact. A true gombering is like eight runs in an inning, you know, or, or in two innings, you know, it's something mm. really, really damaging. So I think the ERA has to be high. Like, like I think we need to set it at like 15 or something like that. Like mm-hmm. almost maybe not quite twice as many runs as innings, because once we set it at a high number, then you're right. If a guy throws five innings, he can't get gombered. Um, I think there's, but I think, so I think the ERA needs to be high, maybe something like 15. The whip probably needs to be like at least two. And then I think you're right. The strikeouts need to be uh, under four. Or something like that, where, where you can't even... So my Jay Happ one yesterday, like, he, he had one strikeout. Like, I can't even look at it and be like, like, oh, it wasn't a good outing, but at least I got six strikeouts out of it. Like, there's nothing there. So I feel like Gombard maybe is, yeah, an ERA of about 15, a whip of two, and something like like four or less strikeouts. Like, something where he really sewered your week right off the top. The John Lester start started out looking like it was going to be a Gomber. But then he actually yeah. managed to kind of pull it together and salvage it. So it was about basically like a five and five, wasn't it? I think it was five and a third and five runs. Right. And, and in fairness to me, when I was whining on Twitter about myself, because that's that's really endearing and all, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think he was in the Gomber range then. And then he lasted yep. a little longer. I think I went out on a walk, cooled off, came back to see him give up that one last homer to Javi Baez. It was a nice little going away kiss. But wait, I get one more start. Yeah. That's the... Also, the gombering, the bat, the really hideous start should be the first start too. So that it just soils your whole week with them. Yes, yes, I agree. I think if your second, if your first starts good and your second starts bad, for some reason in my mind, it's not being gombered. As long if the yeah. first, it's like it's the deflate, it's the deflated, the deflation of the first start being so bad. Because I think we all experience this optimism on Mondays, where we're like, okay. Like, you know, I, I've managed to push anyone who got hurt last week to my bench and I've added a couple guys in fab who I kind of like. And, and if you're getting gombered, it means you added a two-star pitcher and you're like, okay, this could be my week. Like I can move up this week. I put together some good things this week. And there's nothing worse than that week just getting sewered like in the first hour of action on Monday or on Tuesday, I guess, but basically just getting sewered on Monday right in the first hour. And you're like, oh my gosh, now I'll like, it'll take me all week 
to dig out from the ERA and right. whip hole that this person just put me in. So you're right. Lester, was there a point in the Lester start where you wanted him pulled? Like when he was starting to get gone, were you just like, take him out or were you first like, inning. Hey, leave first him inning. in. Maybe he can throw a couple <laughs> scores. First inning. Yeah. Like you already wanted out of your, out of your bad investment in the first inning. Well, I, yeah. you know, on the Sunday, I mean, with how I he even... pitched, he could save you. Yeah. And what, and even on the pod on Sunday, Scott's like, did you, did you pick up Lester anywhere? It's like, I do not like the cone of shame. I I, ha- I, I did take Lester. I feel bad. <laughs> bad fab, bad fab, Jeff. But it's okay. Um, yeah, I, you know, I and I so I had a lot of misgivings going ahead, and when it when it turned south, really quick, I was like, okay, second inning is actually it. You know, I I think that second inning is was is three runs after mm-hmm. two innings. You're like, this, and it was like six hits already at that point. You're like, okay, this is this is just mm-hmm. not going to go well. Uh, yes. But you're right. He he graduated from the zone. Yeah, I think you're right, though. A bad first inning, and you're like, okay, well, okay, gave up two or three in the first, but, like, maybe he can get his act together. And as soon as the second inning starts going bad in your head at home, you're just like, get him out, get him out, get him out. This is not correcting itself. There's clearly something wrong here. In the end, he could have a decent week for you. Like, he wasn't awful last night. He could go If he went out and threw five shutout and got a win on on the weekend, you'd be like, okay, this isn't bad at all. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with him. But he was on my radar on Sunday. There was a few guys, him, Matt Harvey was another one where they, they are, they are definitely not good pitchers, but they had two starts this week. I ended up not grabbing any of them. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's, that's the right call here. A couple of closer notes before we sign off. Uh, Michael Fulmer, is he the guy in Detroit now? Is this, is he safe? Mm, I think not safe, but I think he might be the guy. I think he's the best reliever in that bullpen and he has the job. And I would say that that's a pretty darn good combination. Uh, And Detroit's been playing a little better of late. Like they're not good, but they've been better of late. So I think, I think he's their best reliever and he's, you know, he's picked up a couple of saves now. Um, I would be surprised if the next save chance doesn't go to him. Like, do you agree agree with that? I, I absolutely agree. Gregory Soto can't throw a strike, and that's death for a closer. I think it's really easy to to just give Fulmer the next chance and just roll with it. There, it's it's, it's the closer blueprint yep. too. A, uh, a converted starter that just didn't quite cut it as a starter, but he's got yeah. great stuff. Right, sign me up. They, yeah, they kind of with Fulmer. It's interesting. Like I actually added him in the main on Sunday, and had had him in the, in the main prior to that and had dropped him. They were kind of like, he was in the rotation this, like this year he was, he was in long relief. Then he was in the rotation. Then he was back to long relief, but we weren't, but now they seem to have moved him down towards this one inning role where he could be the closer. At first it seemed like they were going to try to maximize his innings and always use him for multiple innings. It's just in the last couple of weeks where I feel like they started, although I think the one save was a two inning, but they seem to have started to move him more towards being a dynamic late inning reliever. And that's a game changer for his value. If he was going to be bouncing around from three inning reliever this week, maybe he starts, but only throws three innings next week. I, I wasn't that interested in him, but, but now I think, I think they seem to have settled on him as a late inning guy. And yeah, I think he, he could be their closer. They started kind of using him as a reliever in Boston. You know, he had a one really hideous outing on May 4th, yeah. but he bounced back the next day, got a key out in two thirds of an inning. In those in, in starting on May 5th, uh, total selective endpoints here, but in those six games, he's thrown yeah. eight innings, eight Ks, two uh, one, only one walk. He has hit two batters, but he's gotten two wins and three saves in that stretch. Pretty nice stretch for him there. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I mean, even if they don't use him as a traditional closer, like completely, which they very well, very well might, but if they don't, if he's still getting half of their save chances and then the other half of the time he's pitching like, the seventh and eighth in a tie game or something like that. And then he gets a few days off almost like what we're seeing with the red. I think my comparison is, although I don't think he's quite as good as what we're seeing with TJ Antone with your reds is like, I don't think he's the reds closer, but he's going to get some saves. Sometimes he's going to get saves. Sometimes he might pitch like the seventh and eighth of a, of a tie game. And maybe have a great chance to get a win. Um, would you agree with that comparison? Do you think that's where Antone's with, with the reds right now? Yeah. Um, I think, I think Antone's more established as a good pitcher, but mm-hmm. usage might be similar. I think Fulmer might be more traditionally used. We'll see. I think he'll, you know, I think he, they're yeah. kind of saving him for the ninth inning a little bit more. We'll see. I think Antone's more likely to have multi-inning outings. I think Fulmer is more likely to get saves. Right. Yeah, I think that could, that could be true. I, how many, 
so sorry, pivoting to Antone for a minute. How many saves do you think he finishes the season with? Or actually, better question, how many do you think he has at the trade deadline? Because we all know they could trade for a closer. Like, how many saves do you think he gets kind of going forward? Does he get even one? Not He doesn't even get one a week. Agreed? I, I think you're right. Unless they just make that change and just say, okay, you know what? He's the guy. But I don't think that's true. I think Sims is in the picture. I think Garrett's still in the picture. Uh, I, I think this is a feature, not a bug with David Bell. This is the way he wants it, except better. You know, he, he, he wants, he wants that sort of usage, but better results. Um, I, I think is really what he's going for here. Uh, meanwhile, San Francisco is the Jake McGee closer experience done. Tyler Rogers nailed down another one yesterday. McGee had a, a tough Saturday in Pittsburgh. Second and second game of a back-to-back pitched well, actually on the Friday one, although he got, you know, didn't get the save, but it was more a case there where Gossman put the two guys on first. But uh, what, what's your take on the San Francisco situation here? Yeah, so I, I, I don't think the Jake McGee closer experience is completely done because I'm just not sure if Tyler Rogers can hold that job. And it's just like, like I know he's done well so far, but when I look at his numbers, like 12 strikeouts in 24 and two third, like that is really low. And then a 187 Babbitt, like that is really really low in, in a good way for him. Uh, when that mm-hmm. Babbitt comes around, like he's really, really relying on batted ball luck right now. And, you know, I know he keeps balls on the ground and he's only given up three homers in his career. So he's not going to give up a lot of home runs. Maybe he can last as a closer. He needs to be rostered everywhere. But I mean, like his strikeout rate this year is 4.4 per nine innings. Like you, I don't think you can survive as a, his career is seven. Like, I don't right. think you can survive as a closer maybe permanently with that strike rate i would not drop jake mcgee yet i i, I agree i agree i mean, and, yeah. and mcgee's 26 to 4 26 strikeouts in 17 and two-thirds i think there's some bad mm-hmm. luck baked into mcgee he had the reaction to the yep. covid uh, covid uh, shot had it pitched yep. you know pitched badly under that then it was off the next two days then uh he he, he was he got a save earlier last week they had Rogers pitch Thursday, Friday. I mean, like I said, the circumstances, if he starts that ninth inning, I think he gets the save, but they had tried to get Gossman the Maddox complete game shutout with fewer than a hundred pitches. It didn't work out. And that, that cost them. And then that, that kind of led to the string of events, yeah. but right now O'Neill's got the confidence of the, of the manager. We'll see if they, if a safe situation comes up tonight, what, what do they do? Because McGee has now been off two days in a row now. Yeah, I could, I could see the two of them just kind of sharing the job for now. Um, I mean, I guess Rogers has a chance to really run with it. I just like to, to put them in comparison, like like their ERAs look nothing alike, but their FIPS are basically the, are very, very similar. So, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, McGee has the strikeout to walk ratio that you're looking for in a closer. And and I agree with everything you said about the, the COVID shot situation. And, you know, and he didn't react well to that. And he probably shouldn't have been pitching that day. And like his other big blow ups at Coors and, like, like you were talking about with his, his one last time out. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of viewing that right now as a bit of a 50, 50 bullpen, maybe Rogers, just cause he got the last one and has, has not allowed runs this year. Maybe he gets a chance to run with it. I'm just not sure if he totally can. I would want to see Rogers run with it for a while before I cut McGee. I, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. Let's close quickly with uh, two questions. JP asks freedom McClanahan drop who? If only I played in a league where those guys were drops and not pickups <laughs> for me. Um, Freed left yesterday's game with a hand cramp. Uh, he's, his ratios aren't good, very good right now. I can't get behind dropping him though. Uh, even though I love McClanahan, I, if I if I I'd rather have Freed than McClanahan the rest of the way. I'd like to have both to be honest with you. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I'm assuming this is either this is a stacked roster or it's a ten team league. Uh, I can't cut Freed. Uh, he was really coming around too, right? Like his last, I mean, he's still walking guys, which isn't good, but his last three starts, he allowed one run in each of them, right. five innings, six innings, six innings. Like, like he was coming around. The ratios are going in the right direction in those three starts he had 18 strikeouts. So eight, like 18 strikeouts in 17 innings, like everything was looking good. I mean, he's walking a little too many, like a little too many at six walks in the three starts. Not great, but it's not horrendous. Like, I can't, I can't cut, I can't cut Max Fried. So, and McClanahan, I really like him. I really like his talent. We'll see how Tampa Bay uses him the rest of the way. There might be too many four inning starts this year for us to totally get full value out of him, but I like him. I would like to keep him. But as you said, like, I can't cut, I can't cut Max Fried. 
Yeah, uh, I think that's it. And I, I guess that's the, uh, you know, shows, illustrates the difference of leagues we play in. McClanahan's negative is definitely yeah. length in games and also organization because they have multiple options. Patino is now starting. He's on that McClanahan four-inning pa- pattern right now as they're trying to build him up. They could both be in the rotation long-term, though. Uh, Thomas asked Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Moore. I don't know if this is to start this week or if it's to cut. Uh, that, that it's, it's a you know O'Neill just went on the IL and, and Dylan Moore struggled obviously. Uh, but you know, so obviously you're not starting O'Neill this week. <laughs> there, there's your answer if it's a start sick question. Dylan Moore actually, I thought he's shown some signs of life lately. A little bit, a little bit. Although his strikeout rate this month is pretty much what it was last month. Like it's, I think he's just had some better Babbitt luck. Like he, he accumulates, like if he, if he keeps his everyday job, he's going to steal probably 20 to 25 bases this year and hit, I don't know, something in the teens for home runs, which is pretty valuable, but it's coming with a really low batting average. If, if I was to guess which player will have more value the rest of the season, I will take Tyler O'Neill. without knowing what his timetable is for recovery from this injury. I would take Tyler O'Neill. but um, if I need either one of these guys, like in the next few weeks, then you've got to cut, then you've, you've got to cut O'Neill and go with more. Yeah. So I, it turns out I was praising with a faint damning uh, with uh, Dylan Moore. Not only did he sit out yesterday, but in the last 10 games, when he was at his lowest, at that, and on May 5th, his OPS sat at 497 after going 0 for 3. He's played 10 games. It's 265, 324. He has slugged 618 in that stretch. So a 942 OPS has raised him to a 638. He has had, in that stretch, he did have three homers and two stolen bases. Meanwhile, hit 265 in that stretch. Also had 10 strikeouts and three walks. That's that's actually passable, but it's not great. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, it's just you're you're trying to find some stolen bases, and that's one of the things that uh, is is really kind of tricky to find. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I will say that too that his BABIP in that stretch has, isn't super high, so he is doing better in that stretch. His his strikeouts in that stretch are more like what we can something we can live with. They're not they're never going to be great, but there's something we can live with. So I think uh, like like I said, I I liked how O'Neill was playing, and I I think there's some good long term potential, but we don't have a timeline for him yet. Um, so if if it's someone you need at all in the next few weeks, then I say you go with more. You let O'Neill go if you don't have IL space for him. Um, I think you just I think you, you have to. Sometimes you got to play. Scott Pianowski talks about that too. Like sometimes you got to play for the moment, even in a long fantasy baseball season. Oh, I'd agree. I'd agree. And you, you definitely play for the moment on your fringe guys. Um, and uh, there's there's no doubt about that. So I, I think that's actually a really good point. All right. Any other uh, parting thoughts? What are you working for on Yahoo right now? Uh, actually, speaking of cuts, I'm working on some uh, – I just had an article come out today which talks about some trade tips because i tend to make some of those more about how you can look around your league and look at teams and rosters and standings and figure out who are the best fits for you to trade with um and then the other one that i've got coming out in a couple days are uh players are actually players to cut and some of these are some big name type guys who they aren't going to get cut in the 15s that i'm in and they might but they might maybe some 12s but more for the 10 team league owners and you know who are some guys where i'll give you a good example it would be like jeff mcneil like if you don't have il space is jeff mcneil a cut right now like he i i did some math on him like he basically hit no he he hasn't hit homers he doesn't steal bases um this year he's not hitting for average although that could come back but are you really holding him right now It it depends on your league size and everything i don't expect to see him in my 15s on waivers but I wouldn't be surprised in that online championship if Jeff McNeil gets cut in the odd league on the odd league on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, I've got a relatively thin league, a Yahoo league. We have five IL spots. I tried to put McNeil and Conforto on my IL, and like, sorry, you have used too many IL spots. So I'm kind of like, I might be there with him. Yeah, uh, it's just who do so, I yeah, want to stash yeah. more? That's right. So going full circle from everything we talked about at the beginning with all the injuries, um, that's that's kind of the theme of the article is there are so many injuries right now that your IL is full. So if guys like Jeff McNeil have kind of bled onto your bench or Conforto's onto your bench, like who's worth keeping and who isn't? And then just beyond that, then who's just slumping? Brandon Lau is going to be in the article for sure mm-hmm. um, as someone who, you know, you just may not have room to carry him on your bench right now and, and in hopes that he comes around. Maybe he's just got to go. And you have to pick someone else up and and because maybe the upside of what you're waiting for just isn't worth it. 
That's right. And, you know, it's it's another skill in fantasy baseball is who to cut. It really is. Uh, yes. And uh, yeah. you know, noticing that, and that also ties into pay attention to the cuts in your fantasy league and see is you can swoop in and get guys that make mistakes, perhaps, that you view as mistakes. Uh, but I, I've, I've seen that happen a uh-huh. lot of times, especially in daily moves leagues where you just you feel that pinch. You feel that roster crunch. You know, guys are going to, you know, Put some. You're you're going to see players put on some uh, some good players that you can help you later in the season if you can afford to stash. And then we go back to the whole stash conundrum. That's right. Oh, and, and it could be stashed because the player is injured, and it could be stashed because the player is slumping. And maybe a Brandon Lau gets cut in your league, and you don't have injury problems, so you say, "Hey, I can afford to pick him up right now, and I can right. hold him for two weeks on my bench and just see what see where he goes. And if he doesn't go anywhere else, whatever, I'll just cut him." But and those are tough ones in the NFBC because when those, when really good players get cut who are slumping, like That's you don't right. get them for twenty bucks. Like like you're paying two hundred, three hundred to pick them mm-hmm. up like now you're putting your money where your mouth is so if they yeah. continue to slump like you wasted a lot of your budget that's right that, that that's absolutely right mm-hmm. all right we'll close with yeah. that uh, i want to thank everybody for listening and streaming and joining us in the conversation we've got the prospect pod jo- with us tomorrow we got clay link james anderson on that thanks for listening have a great day good luck in your leagues tonight